What's poppin' everybody? Welcome to Tom and Joey Entertainment, aka TJENT. This is Straight Gaming, where Tom and I bring not topics to the table. I'm still getting still getting used to it. It's episode four of Straight Gaming, where we come here and talk all things gaming. Where we talk Whoa, about that makes sense. I know, right? That does make sense. Where we talk about what we're playing, some topics of the show, or some stories of the week, and then our coveted topic of the show. I'm one of your hosts, Joey Prokes, alongside is my partner in Tom, how you doing? So, dude. So, pretty miserable. Yeah, Lions game but, was rough. Yeah, needless to say. Whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I'll hang myself, but it's fine. I'm gonna drown my sorrows in more gaming tonight. Yeah, that's. I mean, hey, there whatever. we go. It's the best remedy, it's right? For the views. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the best remedy. So, without further ado, we're just gonna swan dive right into this episode and start out with what we've been playing. I'm gonna grab my phone. Think it was stories, not stories. What we've been playing. Tom, you wanna go first? Yeah, Destiny Two. That's All right. It. Oh wow, big surprise. Yeah. Except now, now I'm into the strikes. Yeah, yeah I was so just gonna say. I so veered, what's new? I veered from the campaign. What's new in the, the Destiny verse? Okay, I will say this: strikes. I feel like you get a lot more. You get a lot more loot mm-hmm. with strikes. Than... Now it strikes longer. Yes. Okay. Wait, like now compared to the first one, or do you mean like in general? Uh, we'll go with both then. Okay. So in general first. So there's different types of strikes where basically you just have like a main boss you have to fight, and each one is different. So some of them might be really quick, some of them might be longer, but there's also ones where you have like a mini boss and then mm-hmm. a bigger boss. So nice. I don't know. I would say that an average strike is probably a little bit longer than the average campaign mission, most likely. I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure. So like half hour, 40 minutes-ish, you think? No, not that long. No? Definitely not. Okay. I would. I, it's probably pretty comparable, but it depends where you are in the campaign. The, the earlier missions are super fast. Oh, okay. So... Yeah. But on average, I'd say a strike probably a little bit longer. When you get into the big strikes and the raids and shit, then those ones, like, I've heard some raids take like three, four hours. I've heard this raid, the Leviathan raid, apparently, that's what it's called. I've heard some people have taken like up to eight hours and then still not beaten it. Yeah. Can you imagine? I can't imagine sitting down. It's like you're prepping for like a like a road trip or yeah. something it's like all right guys i got my i got my hot pockets ready i got my water got my portable bathroom ready yeah, to go yeah. i'm ready to do this raid i would just yeah, that would be insane that's insane to me but um yeah other than that it's pretty much the same as the yeah. first one yeah uh, the the little shader update the whole oh we we expect you to be flushed with shaders is pretty bullshit yeah <laughs> I'm, i am not seeing that either because we've both reached level 20 at this point and usually when you hit level 20 i mean when we first got to level 20, we went and cashed all of our shit in. That was pretty nice because we just got boatloads of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, the flush of shaders thing. You get you get them in packs of five, which is nice because you have enough to, like, basically do your armor. Mm-hmm. But you can't do it for all your guns. Okay, whatever. But I've yet to get the same shader twice. Really? I'll get a shader pack, but it's always in a pack of five. And then I won't get the same one again. Oh, really? And it'll just be a new one. Yeah. Which is kind of cool because there's a billion different color combinations, but if you're super OCD, it's like fucking nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I would imagine. And it comes to the point where one of the things that I realized, that I didn't realize from the, that you could do in the first game, it's not like it was a new update, but that I liked is that I unlocked this sweet new auto rifle with the my Crucible tokens, and I totally didn't realize the fact that you can upgrade your weapons and keep like the same weapon. As long, and then just upgrade the power, yeah. which is really nice because if you want to keep the same weapon, because in Crucible, it doesn't really matter right? because Crucible, everything's all even anyways. So as long as you like the gun and like the feel of it, like the accuracy, the rate of fire, all that stuff, 
it's super nice. And then if you want to take it and use it in the campaign missions or in the PVE, player versus environment missions, you can just upgrade the power and then keep the same feel while right. still upgrading the attack. And then yeah. obviously to go along with that, keep the same shader as well. So yeah, yeah. that is a caveat, makes the shader problem a little bit better, but it just goes back to the fact that we talked about why change it in the first yeah, place? Yeah, I, I still don't know. It's just, it it's a needless update to try and be different. And that's why so many people pointed out to the point where it was so about the microtransactions. Because if it was like a meaningful change that changed the the foundations of the game. Right. And it was like a new attempt of them trying to be unique and trying to change be it up totally the first di- game. It would be totally different. Yeah. So that's why people get so pissed is because this makes no sense. And the only reason why it would make sense is to make money off of microtransactions. Right, yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, still, regardless, it's still a blast to play. Yeah, it's super fun. still super fun. So, what I've been playing is the new Battlefield 1 DLC. It came out earlier last week. And I remember I was at work when I figured out that it came out. Because I knew it came out last week. I just wasn't sure what day. And then you were at home working on school stuff. And I remember texting you. I was like, I think it's $15. I don't even care. Just buy it and download it. So, So, it's ready to play that night. So, it's called In the Name of the Czar. And it's with... There's six maps included. But I think they're there's a few maps that they include as a part of the map pack that are des- designated for certain modes and what oh, gotcha. the, the modes I, or the mode I like to play the most is hands down conquest. Um, so I've been playing a shitload of that. And at first, my first impressions are the maps are really cool. And the, obviously the scenery and the background and everything that's around you is always so awesome. The sound effects, the gameplay, everything is sound as always. Cause battlefield one, I mean, I've liked previous call of duties, but in terms of just the longevity of... Because the games are pretty long. Yeah. Usually, unless you're dominating someone, the games are about 25 to 30 minutes long. And longevity of those games and the fact that I can play so many on top of each other, just BF1, Battlefield 1 is just a first-person shooter. It, it's definitely... You can make an argument for me personally that it's one of my favorite first-person shooters ever just because of how unique and just especially when I play with my headphones on, the sound effects are just... It's nice, too, that... So amazing. I mean, it's nice to get a break from Call of Duty, but it's also nice that these games don't come out every year. Yeah, exactly. So you don't feel... Because like, with Call of Duty, at some point, I'm like, God damn it, I have to buy another one. Yeah. I, I just got good at this one, and now another one's out. Yeah, so. no shit. Yeah, the the recycled concept type yeah. idea. Yeah, and that is nice because they release these big map packs, and with Conquest games, we talk about how long they are. It's because the maps are so huge and diverse. Right, And yeah. it's so cool because rather than have a bunch of smaller maps, you release these big diverse like immense big maps to the point where there's a lot to look at and there's a lot to do so it keeps that replay value high even if there's not as like there's not as much quantity of maps you know what right. I mean? so my first impressions are it, the maps are really nice really cool looking i i like the snow aspect because it's different from all the other maps that were in the game so far but the only dig with having a snow map is that you neglect having that I don't know, the color and kind of like the pop that you would have in the normal like BF1 maps because I know there's one where it's called, I think it's like Verdula Heights or something like that in the um, They Shall Not Pass French expansion pack. That was the second one. And it's this map where there's like a forest fire going around all the map and then there's like this middle area where the majority of people like congregate and they have these um, mid-game like weather conditions that change so it's like this big huge fog thing will come into this map so you can barely see like 20 feet ahead of you and it just gets this super cool atmosphere because you 
get this feeling where you see the fog and you see bullets flying everywhere, grenades, right, bombs going yeah. off, bodies flying everywhere. And I mean, there's just no, I think that's what it comes down to when it comes to how much I love Battlefield 1 is the unscripted events that happen. Right, yeah. Just, I've never seen a game be a first person shooter online multiplayer, like kind of a boilerplate in that sense, because there's a lot of first person shooter multiplayer games. Right. But to have events like that and to have just the crazy shit that happens in those games is so much fun. So I would say I liked the They Shall Not Pass map pack better because I just I literally played that for hours on end. <laughs> I could not, like, as soon as that came out, I was like, oh, maybe that's a reason to get back into Battlefield. I look at the maps, so they look pretty cool. But then I started playing it, and man, it's so much fun. But the maps are awesome, and I'm still going to continue to play them. And in a way, I like them more so than the one of the ways i like it more so than the second map pack is that it kind of provides a little bit more distance because i showed you the video clip before we got on when i was shooting and literally i had to get the trajectory of the bullet because it would dip down because i was so far away i had to get that down and figure out when i was hitting him and when i wasn't because there was like a sniper from across the map so i like because there's this one map where there's three separate islands and in order to get between objectives and get to the different objectives you have to um, like go down in these valleys and swim across like these mini rivers. And that provides a cool aspect because you get people to think they're safe going to the water and then you mow them down or you get those long distance battles that are really cool. And I liked it in that sense because it pushed me to uh, commit in these long range battles that in the They Shall Not Pass map packs, a lot of the battles, not a lot of them, but the majority of them are kind of close range. Right. So I definitely like it in that sense, how it diversifies the battle and the yeah. gameplay, that's for sure. It's definitely one of a kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why... I mean, Call of Duty was planning on going back to World War II before Battlefield 1 came out, because, I mean, obviously the game was in development, but still, the idea that you can go back to a classic war like this, because even before World War II, I mean, this is World War One, so there's even less technology to work with. Right. The fact that you can come up with this game and put such an emphasis on graphics feel realism and the especially the sound effects more than anything else it's just like you said it's one of a kind and the map packs are there's two more to come out and i'm going to continue to get them and play the hell out of them because that game just seems to be timeless for me and even when yeah. call of duty comes out i'll still play battlefield because right, there's yeah. just nothing like it yeah i mean they're different enough that you'll i mean there's a reason to play each yeah and, and i've played like uh, some like call of duty and then some Destiny and even some Halo, and I've come back to Battlefield 1, and it only takes me a few shots to like get the feel for it again. Right. So it's kind of nice to not... Because when I always got Call of Duty and Halo, it was always so difficult to distinguish between the yeah. two because they're so different, so you just get such a feel that if you get the quickness of Call of Duty and as your instinct, then you go to Halo and just like, holy shit, I'm right. moving like molasses. Yeah, yeah. So... It's definitely an awesome game. The DLC pack, I highly recommend it. And it's only $15, especially, yeah. like I said. It's not with, bad. No, not at all. Especially with, like I said, the Conquest maps that they include. These maps are so huge and provide such a massive game type and game capability that when you only include these maps, it gives it to the sense of it's almost like a brand new game. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, you're basically like buying a new Battlefield at some point. Yeah, that's only $15. Right, yeah. And it's really nice because, I mean, it's it's definitely a small thing that it seems easy, but it's definitely nice where they provide certain playlists for the new DLC pack. So it's like, if you just want to play just maps of this, yeah, yeah. come that's, here if you just want maps of this. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, so that, that was nice, especially because I just wanted to play all of In the Name of the Czar um, maps at first when I first got it, so that was cool. So yeah, other than that, um, yeah, I mentioned what about the the snow setting because that's definitely cool because it's different 
And since they went with more of the battles that had to do with the Russia, the Russian army or the Soviet Union army at that time, and in the Soviet Union locations, the snow obviously makes sense. And it definitely brings a diverse environment to the point where there's, and then these, there's these cool little creeks and rivers and stuff where they're inside the objective too. So right. you can get down where you can't see around you, but you're just down in these little That's creeks. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like every time I go up to these objectives and I know that there's that river there, I kind of just like come up over the hill a little bit to make sure yeah, there's no one yeah. hiding there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to be playing more and more of it. Probably go back to destiny two sometime soon when I, yeah. uh, get my fix of battlefield and FIFA. one yeah exactly because fifa comes out next friday way pumped about that or this friday i guess because you're watching this on monday um but yeah i definitely been having a blast pun intended with battlefield one and i'm definitely gonna play it more yeah for sure so yeah that has been what we've been playing for the past week and now we're gonna go to our stories of the show only two only two stories of the show today and the first one is a reference to our previous story on our previous episode when i referenced with the Super Mario 64 online uh, mod. And I remember watching our last episode, and I wasn't sure if I made this exactly clear, so I'll just say it. When I was talking about the Super, uh, Super, Mario, Super Mario 64 mod, the way I said it made it kind of sound like, at least to me, that I was saying that you could play it online via the Nintendo 64. Right, right. So what it is is that <clears throat> Nintendo 64 games can be uh, accessed through these things called ROMs. And they can be played through emulators on your PC. And if you play Super Mario 64 through a ROM on an emulator on a PC, that's how you can access the online. Right. So it's not like you can play online via your Nintendo 64. Right. So I was I remember just listening. To it, I was like, wow, that was that was not very clear. <laughs> so the story is is that the Super Mario 64 online game that we talked about last week actually got Nintendo's attention in a very aggressive way. Because this story comes from Polygon. You got it? I'm, I'm taking down. Just take, it. just taking it down. Yep. Just screw it. So, Nintendo made multiple copyright strikes against the well-known ROM hacker who was who revealed that he did the Super Mario 64 online. And then one of the copyright strikes actually took out his Patreon account. Which is, that's the biggest deal. Because his Patreon account is what he uses for people to donate to him to create these mods. Right. And it's not just with Super Mario 64 online. And that's kind of the bigger deal because they striked his Patreon account over the Super Mario 64, but that entails so much more. Right. So and how much was he making uh, at the time? Uh, I don't know if he posted it. Because there's an option on Patreon where you can hide how much money you make a month. And I think it was the case for him. Um, yeah, it doesn't say I'm sure it was hidden because he doesn't want Nintendo to know. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to know how much money he's making exactly off of the game. Yeah. So, I don't know. What's your opinion on this? Do you think that Nintendo is in the right to do this? I don't really think it's a matter of... Okay, it's either... I think, legally speaking, they have every right. Yeah. Because... Especially with the Patreon, because if he's getting... I mean, regardless of their donations, you could technically make an argument that he's they're donating in order to access the game. Right. And, and so, well, I mean, for Nintendo's sake, legally, yes, that was, I mean... They they do have a right because he is making a shit ton of money off of everything that they own. Yeah, they built Mario because though with, with patent and trademarks and copyrighted material, at some point you have to say, listen, I did all the fucking work. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who made this platform, and you're just adding on to it. But you're making a shit ton of money off of it. That you can't just do that. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why it exists. So I get it. 
but I feel like they could have handled it a little bit better in the for the public eye and said maybe they reach out to him and say, "Hey, you know damn well that we're going to hit you yeah. for a trademark lawsuit. Let's work together." Yeah. Why don't we we'll take our cut. You've already put the work in. Okay, we'll split it and you're just going to basically rent our we're going to license cuz that's what something like chick-fil-a might do they might say okay you want to open up your own chick-fil-a sure you can license our like our branding our trademark everything all that you can run it your own way whatever we'll just take a pay like a percentage of those profits so if this developer just told them hey i'll give you 15 percent of all my earnings and i can just keep it the way it is if you're nintendo why not yeah because that game it's not like that game's brand new Mm -hmm. so it doesn't there's no incentive for you to be pissed about someone like making a brand new game. And it's not like it's super Mario Odyssey. Yeah. If is it, or is it Mario Odyssey? I don't know. Yeah. It's super Mario Odyssey. Okay. So if it was Odyssey, it'd be totally different. Yeah. This is an old game for the N64. The fact that people are willing to go through the lengths of getting these ROMs on your PC and knowing how to actually get these emulators and make them run. These people are not going to be the ones that are going to, go out of their way to pay like 45 bucks for it if Nintendo releases it, yeah, right? Exactly. Like it, for them it's like I I donate 1 to 10 10 5 bucks whatever on Patreon, I get my thing and I'm I'm good to go. This is just like a gimmicky thing that's kind of fun. Yeah. And I think it's awesome, but that Nintendo could there there was middle ground to be had where I feel like then all of a sudden people are like, "Wow, that's pretty cool with Nintendo." Like they they realized that this was extremely profitable people wanted it and they didn't have to do any work they literally just had to say hey you used our shit that's illegal but we'll let it slide how about we take some of the profits and you just keep doing your thing and we're good yeah it's almost like you can make a synopsis where or a a simile with producers and like how they sample tracks and sample music because there's definitely certain instances where um because dj Premier, one of our favorite producers have brought has brought this up multiple times where old artists will there's certain artists which will be totally cool with you sampling their stuff but it's like man i just love music and love spreading the feel of yeah. music so use my stuff and if you make it dope sick but then there's other other people and other artists where they would get upset if you use their likeness in terms of making a beat or something and you reference how nintendo could have be- done better with the situation i agree because it may be if they approached him and were like hey we don't want to take your home Patreon page down because we're not going to like tear down and um, like infringe on creativity. Because right. I mean, Patreon pretty much is the symbol of creativity. Yeah, no shit. Or it could be a symbol of creativity. So they could have said, all right, we're not going to take your Patreon page down, but just maybe pay us a fine or like a royalties, depending on what the, how the math turned out. And maybe if they were to go so far as like, okay, just take down the ROM. Just like, yeah. okay, it was so super cool that you did, but... We don't like that it's up there, that you're making money off of it, and that it gives this massive capability to do this. So just take it down, but we're not going to take down like your entire livelihood, pretty right. much. Yeah, that it could have been handled differently, but I, I wouldn't be necessarily that mad at Nintendo because this is the definition of copyright infringement. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I I'm sorry, it just is. Yeah, it sucks, and it's really lame, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of how it is. Yeah, taking something and enhancing it, and then making money off of yeah. it. Pretty much the yeah the 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 saying of copyright infringement. Right. It just sucks when it's a cool game and a cool concept. Yeah. Like I I and can understand creative. I understand why people would be like, but but, but it's so cool. Yeah. I, I get it. Trust me, I get it. But I don't know. That's 
It's one. It's one of those things where it's like you understand and you can't really take a side because I mean, how are you going to argue against Nintendo's point? Yeah. But it's just unfortunate for that guy. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So, and I just wanted to revisit that story. It wasn't really. We just talked about it. Yeah, because we just talked about it last week. It doesn't really have any ramifications for the gaming community. But like I said, I, we talked about it last week, so I just figured we revisit it since I mean, it's only been a week and just this yeah. much has happened. So the second story of the week, our second and final story of the week, has to do with Player Unknown's Battlegrounds in the news once again, but not necessarily for a good thing this week. So if you don't know, there's a game developed by Epic Games known as Fortnite, and they re- recently released a brand new Battle Royale mode. That's what they call it for um, the game Fortnite, and they released kind of like a beta for it. And the the term Battle Royale is key in this story because that is obviously, if you've ever played Player Unknown's Battlegrounds otherwise known as PUBG or heard about it, the Battle Royale concept is definitely like a staple point of the entire game. But Battle uh, Player Knows Battlegrounds developer Blue Hole, which is like kind of a subsidiary of Epic Games because the game engine that they use for PUBG, they license from Epic Games. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of makes it interesting because technically these guys could be arguable, arguably on the same team almost. And yet they release a a press release about this. And I'll read the press release. They said, We have had an ongoing relationship with Epic Games throughout PUBG's development as they are the creators of Unreal Engine 4, which is the game engine that they license for the game. Then Bluehole's vice president goes on to say, because Bluehole's a South Korean uh, company, which I didn't know. So that's pretty interesting that um, a company in South Korea developed this PUBG game, which has taken the gaming community by storm. Um, They said, After listening to growing feedback from our community and reviewing the gameplay for ourselves... We are concerned that Fortnite may be replicating the experience for which PUBG is known. And he kept going. We also have we also noticed that Epic Games references PUBG in the promotion of Fortnite to their community and in communications with the press. This was never discussed with us, and we did not feel that it's right. Um, there was one more part of the quote that I wanted. Oh, yeah. And then he says, close the press release with the ominous note that he and his company plan to contemplate further action. So, i.e., a lawsuit, lawsuit for yeah. a copyright infringement. And... This was definitely talked about a lot in the gaming community this week because it kind of came out of nowhere. And especially because, like I said, they licensed the game engine from Epic Games. So there's been a partnership between these companies beforehand, before right. this, uh, before the new mode even came out. And it just gets the... I mean, really the, what I want to talk about with the story in general is that do you think that an idea or a concept of a game. Because I've seen gameplay of the Fortnite Battle Royale mode, and there's definitely certain aspects where it's like, okay, holy shit, that looks a lot like PUBG. Yeah, but then yeah. there's other things, because you can like build barriers and stuff and build boundaries and build fortri- uh, forts in uh, Fortnite's Battle Royale mode. And there's also, like, just there's, there's fundamental aspects of the game that are different. Mm-hmm. So really the question I wanted to ask you is that, do you think that companies like PUBG with this Battle Royale mode, because that's what they reference in that press release, do you think that any company could have a right or a copyright like trademark on a gaming genre? No, I don't. Because yeah. it already exists. And I think the like a really easy example is what's the difference between Overwatch and League of Legends? Yeah. I mean, obviously the gameplay in general, you can you can like okay, yeah, like Champions are different. You can't upgrade your characters, that sort of thing. Yeah, you're right. But the premise of the game, that genre, is I have an objective, and I have to destroy that objective, or yeah. I have to like do that objective, and it's all team-based. Mm-hmm. And we complete it as a team, and then we flip sides, blah, blah, blah. There's competitive mode. Like 
that genre of game is the same. Real-time strategy games, Age of Empires, and like StarCraft. Those are the same. Halo yeah. Wars, that's all the same. You yeah. build a base and you build your thing and you attack other armies. It's li- like the core concept is the same. Mm-hmm. So games already exist in the same genre. I think PUBG is just a little bit knee-jerky because they're dominating everything right now. Yeah. And someone else is like, I'm getting in on this action. Yeah. And they're going to develop it. And and to me, it's like, if you're PUBG, how the fuck did you not see that coming? Yeah, like, right? Everyone's going to start doing that. Yeah, and, you're and massively successful. But, That's but, what's going to happen. And they weren't the first ones to do it. No. They and just, like the, the the idea of Battle Royale is not new. No. So I, I, I can understand. Like, again, it's one of those things where, yeah, you can understand when a game comes in and gets a little bit too close. You're like, this is pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. But... To, to some extent, Fallout and Mass Effect, for a lot of time, feel like the same game. And I don't know if you ever heard of H1Z1 King of the Hill, um, but that was a previous mod on, I think the original game was called H1Z1, and they made like a King of the Hill mod where I've watched people play that. That shit is so identical to PUBG, and they based PUBG off of that game, and you could argue that there's way more similarities between H1Z1 King of the Hill and PUBG than PUBG in this new yeah. uh, Fortnite game mode. The only thing I can think of is because they were like they already had a relationship. Maybe this company had some information that only they knew, mm-hmm. and they're picking up like I, I they they because they know where this is heading. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know, but I just think it's a. Li- we just talked about a perfect copyright infringement. It's using someone else's game, yeah, <laughs> and doing an add-on for it and yeah. releasing it for free, essentially. Yeah, well, not for free, but right, getting donations. So that's a copyright, but I'm going to release a game, develop it completely, and it yeah, the gameplay is similar. So the fuck what? Yeah. I I mean, even call it like Call of Duty has three different development studios. They're not ripping each other apart saying like, "Oh, the games are like the same." Yeah. It's like cuz yeah. they did that Infinite Warfare would get shit out yeah. for black, <laughs> for copying Black Ops 3 yeah. in the multiplayer. Now, I mean, cuz I've I've learned to uh or listen to a lot of different perspectives about this story, and some people brought up some interesting points, one of which was to the point where how you would understand the logic behind this press release is that PUBG kind of wants, when they see these replications, because Grand Theft Auto did kind of like a Battle Royale replication too, where you parachute in, start with nothing, but it's on a much smaller scale, but they've implemented that into GTA Online. And one of the things why I would understand kind of this press release to an extent, although I don't agree with it entirely, was that, Maybe they wanted to just, if people saw Fortnite and maybe for some reason that's the first time they've seen that type of game mode, Yeah. maybe just get it out there and say, hey, look, we're not necessarily condemning Fortnite for what they're doing, but just to let you know, we were the first one that did this. Yeah. Like, we were the first one to implement this and to master this type of game mode. So if you're interested in that, you know, you should probably look into us because you might be interested in that. Yeah. But, and then, and then another sense of that is if other game developers, if there's, let's say this is the first one with a legit replication of this type of game mode and Fortnite is on consoles and PUBG is not on consoles yet. It's coming to Xbox, only Xbox, not PlayStation yet. And they don't even have a release date for it yet. So you get a game like Fortnite that's on consoles that introduces a new game mode like this. That's going to get to consoles first, Mm -hmm. regardless of uh, when the release date of PUBG is. So from their perspective, maybe they're thinking, okay, we want to get the jump on consoles with this new idea and keep the like the sexiness and the attraction that PUBG has going when we transfer to consoles. So again, it goes into that fact of maybe we want to just get our name out there, say, hey, 
don't forget about us. Like yeah. we created this and hopefully you'll still be know that and play our game when it comes to consoles. Because if they can keep the popularity that PUBG is now when it gets to consoles, that game's gonna scorch the earth. Yeah. And I again I, I understand, but to me, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of a devil's advocate, and I just can't think of one. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with it because I, I just feel like it's unneeded. Yeah. It's to the point where you're breaking all these records. You're massively successful. Why? And I had one person make an argument that was also another valid one, is that with this press release, you're almost legitimizing Fortnite's game mode to the point where if people are interested in PUBG, then they're like, oh, I guess if PUBG thinks it's pretty similar, then yeah, maybe I'll, I should give I'll, it a I shout. Should, I should go sh- give it a shout. Yeah. I mean, what about Street Fighter, Tekken, Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat yeah. and Justice? You want to talk about a genre of game. Especially like when we talk about the newest <laughs> Injustice and like the newest Mortal Kombat. Aside from like how the health bar works and the characters, that shit is it's identical. identical. And, and the thing is, that's, I mean, that's life. You come up with a really good idea and it makes a lot of money, People are gonna hop on and try and make it better. Yeah. The one so, caveat with those games is that they are made both by NeverRealm, so it's kind of like the same development studio, but still. Yeah. I mean, it, there's different concepts in like Warner Brothers makes. Does Tekken make Injustice? Or no, Tekken's not the same developer. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you could make those. Because I mean, because again, it's the same general idea. Obviously, the gameplay is different. That's how you set yourself apart. Yeah. So if you're PUBG, you don't sue somebody. You just go out there and you say. Okay, this is how we're gonna keep people playing PUBG, and this is why we're better than them. Yeah, exactly. Not oh, I'm gonna throw a lawsuit because you made a game that's similar to us. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. If just, I if I knew how to do that, you bet your ass I'm going to. Yeah, exactly. You're it making just, millions. It just comes off as like, as for lack of a better phrase, unnecessarily salty. Yeah. It's just like you're the legitimizing thing is to me is kind of like the most compelling argument because. Like, coming out and saying this, it's like, yeah, you're beating them to a punch to the point where you want to get your ID out there and make sure people know that yeah. you were the first. But again, it just goes back to that legitimizing thing to the point where if you were someone who was curious about this new game mode and PUBG is adamant enough to come out and say, hey, we're the first to come up with this mode, play us before you play this, and you're like, hey, maybe if I, or someone like me especially right. who sucks at PUBG currently, get, maybe get, I'll come give to it this. A shout. Yeah, yeah, go to Fortnite and be like, hey, maybe I'll try this out. And that was another thing because I looked at h1z1 and it kind of looks a little bit more cartoony but it's still similar to PUBG. and i was thinking hey maybe i'll try this out maybe i'll be better at this than i am at PUBG." yeah i think i think it's pretty weak grand theft auto and saints row yeah exactly i mean there's so many games that are similar Mm -hmm. there's there's categories of games for a reason yeah pez and fifa yeah i mean that's probably (laughs) i mean this is the most significant one for sure yeah it's just like I said, I mean, unnecessarily salty, and it just, it almost seemed unneeded, it, where it was just forced. Absolutely unneeded. Yeah. So yeah, PUBG in the news once again, but not for good things. So we'll move on to our topic of the show, and this is going to be a very interesting conversation. Dun-dun-dun. Because Call of Duty World War II released its most recent campaign trailer, and aside did, from- did, did you like it? I did like it, and it's to the point where I've watched it numerous times, like I did the Game of Thrones season finale trailer. I don't know why, it's just- it just amazes me the capabilities that games can go to at this day and age and make shit look so real to the point where it legitimately looks like you're going to be playing a movie. But the reason why I wanted to bring up that trailer is that I won't put any spoilers in aside from the fact that in the trailer, they foreshadow the idea that in this game, you're going to be coming in contact and dealing with 
ramifications or the situations of the Holocaust. Specifically concentration camps. Yeah, exactly. To make it very specific. Yeah. Without getting into too many spoilers, there's just this little scene. Well, spoilers before you watch the trailer. I mean, it's... No, you're not going to spoil the yeah, trailer. Yeah, the trailer. Yeah, you're right. So there's this scene where they're lined up. The soldiers are lined up outside of these trains. And he, um, the German commanding officer asks, which one of you are Jews in German? And one of the American soldiers is ta- saying to drop his dog tags because they're looking for Jews. And the German guy points out a Jew and then hits him like in the head with his gun. And they put him on the train. And the train thing is where it's the biggest. I mean, you mentioned when you deal with World War II and you mentioned anything to do with the Jewish people, I mean, it has to do with the Holocaust. So you didn't even have to put in the train to get that feeling of how they're going to address that in the game. But then he gets put on the train and then there's like this dramatic sequence where they talk about how they want to do everything to get their men back and stuff like that. And we've referenced um, Modern Warfare 2, their dramatic scene. Because the, the, the idea behind this topic of the show that I wanted to get into is dealing with traumatic events, whether they be real or fictional especially fictional in terms of Modern Warfare 2, but dealing with these very real events that are significantly traumatic. Because yeah. if you haven't played Modern Warfare 2, there's a mission where it's called a mission called No Russian, and you go with this terrorist leader as a part of this Russian group, and basically you go up in this elevator and pop up in this airport that's massively populated with innocent people, and they, the game basically gives you a gun and gives you a choice whether you can mow down all these innocent people or not. Yeah. And then there's another scene in Modern Warfare 3 where there's a cut scene and they have this other terrorist attack where this truck full of um, like toxic gas pulls up next to this family that's on like a home video on this fun family vacation. And the kid, a little kid and a dad go up next to the truck and get ready to take a picture and the truck explodes and uh, chaos ensues there. So... There's multiple, I mean, all three of these situations that we could come up with are all Call of Duty. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a I mean, common theme that they like to push Those the are the limits. most common because it's such a huge game. Yeah. But there's other games that are more controversial. Yeah, yeah. For sure. True, because, I mean, Wolfenstein in general, the whole idea of what if the Nazis won the war, I mean, that's yeah. that's a pretty big controversial stance. So pretty much what I wanted to get into as the topic of the show is that what we think about certain games addressing dramatic events or traumatic events like this, like the Holocaust, or like a massacre inside of an yeah. airport. So what do you think? I mean, first and foremost, no matter what, you're going to offend people. Oh, yeah. There's just no, no way doubt. around it, and it's just going to happen. The question is, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Because someone who survived the Holocaust is probably like, why, why is this going to be a video game? Yeah. Like, this isn't fun. Mm-hmm. This isn't... You shouldn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the concepts of video games are supposed to be... This is my extracurricular, have fun, entertain myself. So there is this, there is a dynamic of, okay, this shouldn't be a thing that you play through. You should respect the people that died. And I, I get that. And I also understand that on the flip side, you can also educate people about it and say, hey, like these things happened. This is exactly what went down. And it is kind of a way of respecting it because it's like you're going to learn about what happened and you might not have. Mm-hmm. And then you get done, you kind of reflect on it. To me, though, for video games, at some point, I'm just kind of like, as a parent or as a kid, as a whoever you are, you kind of just have to come with it and be like, it's a video game. Yeah. It's just, it is a real event, but a video game is a video game. It's make-believe. And they're not, so, port- and I mean, 
as far as I know, they're not portraying real people in the in this Holocaust situation. And whether they did or not wouldn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would change it. We, we, I think we both agree that I think this should be the most controversial as opposed to a theoretical event. Yeah, because like absolutely. the M, the MW two event is probably technically more controversial because of what you do. But to me, it's like it's way worse when it's a real event as opposed to oh, you just made a level up. Yeah, because. There's other games like something like Hatred where you're just a dude who the entire game is mowing down innocent people yeah. as much as you can. And the more brutal you are, the better you do. Exactly. And I mean, and th- it, there's a laundry list of games that have sparked controversy, but I can't think of one where it's a real life event that you go through and especially something as powerful as a Holocaust yeah. because I mean, you want to talk about Asking anyone in the U.S. what's the darkest time in our country's history, slavery would be up there, World War II would be up there, and the Civil War would be up there, probably. And no specific order. Yeah. Well, World War One as well. But for a lot of us, World War II would probably be number one because it's we still know people alive that fought in it. And it's not even like our country in particular. The darkest time of like mankind. Yeah, together. exactly. And when you watch documentaries especially something like a show like band of brothers or something like that when they get to the holocaust part because band of brothers showed it Mm -hmm. you relive you don't relive you see for the first time for someone that wasn't a survivor what it would what it must have felt like for a soldier who had no like you heard rumors but you didn't know it was true or not yeah then they they discover these that that kind of feeling of just like what is going on Mm -hmm. because nowadays it seems absolutely preposterous it seems something like there's a lot of shitty things that go on in the world of course but the idea of i'm gonna go be a soldier and i discover like a basically a giant cage full of people and then you find out that six million people died just because they were jewish essentially Mm -hmm. well it was what Jewish, Jewish blacks, people, gays. blacks, gays, uh, gypsies. Yeah, I mean, anyone that wasn't blonde, white, Aryan, blue, yeah, so, Aryan, German. So, I think when you put that in a video game, it's it's not like it's not like a video game is going to make it fun and yeah. happy. Yeah, it's just, and I don't think that's what it's about. Either. No, 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 not at all. And the thing is, we've said this: the whole game is it's pretty fucking intense. Yeah, now everything the campaign is very very it does look like a movie yeah oh yeah. It, it looks like a movie and it feels like you're gonna go through some shit yeah and you go through the holocaust scene and it's very dark and it's very intense and then you look at nazi zombies and nazi zombies again is supposed to be a blast that shit that is, shit looks terrifying yeah like it, very very dark it is very very intense so i think that as i can understand why people would say oh you're going to put the Holocaust in a video game? Why? What's the goal? What's the point? But to me, it's like as a consumer who can reflect more maturely on the events that happened, it's not like I'm going to enjoy playing yeah. the Holocaust. or It's not like I enjoy shooting people. Mm-hmm. But it's the whole encompassing a studio put forth this beautiful piece of work that you can you can relive history even though it's fake. Yeah. And you get um, I, I, to me. I would have a I have a better appreciation for events when it's like I'm not reading a book. I'm not watching a movie. I'm not watching a show. I'm controlling things. And you kind of I mean in a video game you put your head 
on your character or whoever at some point everyone mm-hmm. does yeah and then you start to think holy shit man is this what is this really like yeah oh my god yeah and you and you talk about education i think that is my biggest proponent of supporting a developer studio doing something like this because when you talk about the holocaust and i think it goes into play with how video games are in general because i remember talking to my dad who is obviously part of the older generation and he didn't agree with it because when we saw i think we saw the trailer or maybe we were just talking about it and like yeah. he overheard it or something and we got into the conversation he disagreed with it but i just like brought up the point of when you th- when older generations and maybe some people who don't play video games at all think of video games i feel like they think of them in this light where it's not like the most sophisticated technology like you yeah, think no. of pixels in like 20 bit yeah exactly arcade games but my point is is that if you're able to develop a game that's this ridiculously high quality and this good to the point where you feel like you're playing a movie it can be used as a learning experience cuz like you said if you learn better by not reading in a textbook or not even watching a movie, but getting it hands-on. Maybe that could be the best way to learn about anything as opposed to the Holocaust. Right. And to kind of piggyback off that thought, what what really is the difference between a video game and a movie? Yeah. To me. Because you're still portraying it, it in a exa- dramatic, like in a, in a, in a dramatization. And so, and like, cause you bring up a good point because when someone hears video game, like I was trying to allude to earlier, they think it's fun, happy, yeah, exactly. like having a blast. And some video games are not, no, <laughs> at all. And I do think it's it's kind of that top. It's that mindset of oh, you're playing a video game. It's it's Mario. It's blah blah blah. It's not this, you know, 8K resolution, yeah. 30F whatever highest like frame per second you can get. Yeah, piece of art that is almost a movie and to me it's like okay well then at that point so then why why can we make movies about the holocaust and not video games yeah it's both forms of consumable entertainment that you're going out of your way in your free time to consume and again you watch something like the the boy in the striped pajamas it's not a happy movie no it's god-awful sad but it's a great movie yeah and people watch it because it makes you appreciate what You'll never know, but it's almost you sit there and you're like, God damn, I, I I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know what it must have been like to live in that time. We'll never go back there. And in terms of like the developers, when you talk about Activision and well, Sledgehammer Games is developing this Call of Duty in particular, when you want to be, when you want to put yourself on the map, okay, I mean, because we talk about how yearly installments are Call of Duty where they're kind of like cookie cutter of the same thing. Yeah. You want to set yourself apart and put yourself on the map in terms of first person shooters or just Call of Duty games in general. Then you go for a campaign that maybe is not all about explosions, like all oh, the good guys win all the time. Yeah. No matter what happens, like the good guys are always coming out on top, the bad guys are going down, where you put yourself in the situation where. I mean, they prelude to the Holocaust and like with the music and everything and how they formulate the trailer, they make it an emphasis that it's not something that they're just going to pass over. So I'm very curious to see how they do it. But it comes down to the fact of if you're a development studio and you want to make a campaign that is compelling, that is gripping, because you talk about those those movies that are not necessarily the happiest and kind of depressing, but it's to the point where it's not depressing, where it's just like, oh, super sad, but it's depressing to the point where it makes you appreciate right. what happened and knowing what actually happened. So from that sense, if they develop a campaign that develops and envelops you as a viewer to the point where you're playing this campaign, where you're just 
ensued because we talked about with last of us how it's one of my favorite campaigns ever that is i mean there's there's bright spots and happy moments but they always find a way to bring down the happiness <laughs> yeah and give that just like that apocalyptic the world is against us and it's i mean the last of us it has that name for a reason and when games do that and when they're able to do that then it makes for an, a massively compelling game so i think that they could generate i mean because let's be real when this game comes out and everyone plays the campaign and they reference the Holocaust, like I'm sure they will, to what extent they will, I don't know, but it's going to make headlines. Yeah. It's going to generate publicity and people are going to say that and or see that and say, okay, everybody's talking about it. This getting this mass publicity. So I got to give it a shot and see what it's all about. Cause I'm curious to see when you first start up the game, I wonder if they're going to put up that option like they did in I was, I was thinking this. I'm sure they will. Like, If you don't know what we're talking about, when you started up Modern Warfare 2 for the first time, they ask you, there are offensive scenes in the campaign, in the middle of the campaign, would you like to skip them or would you like to uh, not you, skip them? And you skip the airport mission. Yeah, exactly, and that's the mission that you would skip. Um, but I, I'm sure they will in this scene because I could picture like you go through a mission where you're like heading into German force or something and then you run up on a Holocaust camp and maybe it goes through one of those scenes where it doesn't even allow you to raise your gun and yeah. it brings you like a super slow pace and it gives you kind of like a scenic tour. That would be fun. like, that would be just epic. Let and me, you, let me ask you a question. Would there be a line that you think that they could cross? We'll say, we'll stay with this specifically and then we can move on to like anything. Yeah. But cause to me, like what if the mission you're, what if you're the Nazi soldier? Oh man. Uh, yeah. I, th- cause I think, in terms I don't of, think that, I don't think that's it. Yeah, right. But I'm just no, saying, I like, agree. for the hypothetical. Yeah. Would that be too far? I think it would be in the sense of the the kind of story and the kind of plot that you're trying to generate. Because at the same time, while you're, because that was one of the questions when they initially announced World War II was, okay, what in, side are you on? Yeah, like, are you gonna be able to play as an Axis power in the campaign? Yeah. Because a if, lot of a lot of people have said they're like, we want to play a game where I can play as the Nazis. Yeah. Because it's never been done before. And again, maybe that's a line, another line where it's like, if you do that, is that too far? Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, you, that's a great point because you make it when it's there's one thing whether you're on like if you're an online multiplayer and you're on the Nazi side or something because yeah, like you're just playing team deathmatch, you're just going against the opposite opposite player. It wouldn't matter what team you're on. Right. There's no historical significance with that. Right. You're just you're different. You have different like band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much just different colors at yeah. that point, but you make up a good point where if they address that in a campaign where it's like almost like a flashback or a change sides type of thing, mm-hmm. man, that would just be interesting to the, yeah, I don't know. That's because, rough, right? Because I'm, I'm, trying the, to, I'm trying to think in my head because for, for me personally, I won't speak for you. I'd assume you're probably the same. I will never get offended exactly. by a game I'm playing. Exactly. So if I were on, I don't even, like, it could literally be anything and I'd be like, it's a video game. I don't fucking care. But that doesn't mean that if, it offends someone else. I should be like, oh, yeah, I'm not fuck ins- you, blah blah blah. I'm it's not like, insensitive to it. Yeah, it's like if enough people came forward that were Holocaust survivors and were like, this is fucked up. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm at the side with them because if, I have no leg to stand on. Yeah, and it's just I'm just I'm here to be the recipient of all information. I'm not I'm not going to be the one that skips any scenes. I'm going to play through the whole game, but that's just my personality. Other people have different perspectives and opinions, but I feel like. I don't think that they're going to be like put you as a Nazi soldier. Yeah, I don't. I I think that 
I think if you're going for like kind of like publicity or like headlines or to kind of be yeah. unique, I think that is a little bit. That's well, just the wrong way of doing well, it. And, and that would for, generate bad press. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and people will say, oh, like no, no publicity is bad publicity. I think for them though, in a business decision, they would lose money. Yeah. If they did something like that, and especially that. like a like a franchise like Call of Duty, there it's always Spotlight good. Spotlight is fucking like scolding on you yeah exactly <laughs> and if you're going to approach a new way to the point where you're going to have a more darker tone when it comes to the campaign that's enough to set yourself apart from other call of duty games and, yeah. and kind of make a name for yourself in terms of that individual yearly installment but they're by no means a company that would need to go that far in order to generate yeah. press do you think there's any topics that should be that would push it over the wall and you'd be like fuck that this game shouldn't even be made topic you mean like in like in a the, subject line like a campaign that was a revolt i mean because the thing is i don't want to get my head all twisted and give out some like crazy ridiculous like, there's yeah. stuff i'm sure that if someone put it on a screen i would not play it because i'd be like this is fucking disgusting yeah exactly. i'm sure because yeah. there's disgusting things in the world that happen and i don't want to be a part of it in any facet yeah okay but for a developer to actually go through with a game i can't think of a single game on top of my head where i would play it and be like yeah, this is a little bit too far for me. Because my thing is, and this is, I mean, out of the realm of my general appreciation for video games because we play so much that when you play these uh, games as much, and especially these new games, you appreciate appreciate them as pieces of art. Right. And if you don't look at video games as pieces of art, then grab Uncharted, grab The Last <laughs> of Us, grab Metal Gear Solid, and play that shit even for two hours and tell me that that is not a right. ridiculously exceptional piece of art but it goes back to the point the point of and i've heard the developers talk about this before in particular talking about the darker set tone of call of duty world war ii's campaign they talked about how younger people play video games i mean that's mm-hmm. that's a known thing um and in terms of how you want to teach and maybe how do you want to make to the point where not only you're teaching this knowledge and the, these historical events but to make it stick because if you're a student in high school or middle school, and you're a big gamer, and you're not necessarily is- interested in history. You're gonna go to your history class. You're gonna read out of the textbook. You're gonna read about you're gonna Chinese. Pass your test. Yeah, Chinese ancient history. You're gonna read about a more general the Silk Road. Yeah, the, yeah, more general idea of history. And you might, obviously, you'll you'll jump on the World War II, but you may not understand it in its complexity and the depth that you need to. But you go and then you approach it with a video game where if you're that same high school student and you play it through a video game and you make it so real to the point where you're educating the person that's playing it on these events and you're just putting it in a different tone so they're able to better understand it. And most importantly, if they're playing it, maybe relate to it more more so they can appreciate what actually happened. And that's my thing is because because of how much video games are now an art form and how ridiculously amazing the capabilities are that these developers have with these big budget games that it's almost like if you're going to address an, an event like this, it's almost a disservice to not address that, yeah. that event. I mean, you could definitely make an argument for that. Yeah, for sure. It's like, cause I'm also curious to see how they're going to address, which I, I told you before that the whole campaign is going to surround getting out of Normandy. That was wrong. That was okay. just one other mission. Um, but thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to see also how they address D-Day because if they make that a mission, not to mention how ridiculously intense that whole well, scene that's was. That's been done before. Has it in previous yeah. Call of Duties? Well, I don't. I mean, I'm assuming I can't remember Big Red One, but I know um, Medal of Honor did it. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay. 
So yeah, that makes sense. But in terms of the Holocaust situation, that's definitely never been done. So, I mean, it's going to be super intense, yeah. but I honestly can't wait. Also the nukes. I don't oh. know. I don't know. How, oh, do you know how they reference it? Or Oh, yeah. Oh, well, because I don't think... I think it's just the conflict with Germany. No, it is, but I, I wasn't sure if they have like a cut scene at the end. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I, like, if you beat the campaign, then do they, I mean, is that it? Yeah. It, or or do they have one of those things that says, night, like, do the, like the credits with like little, like almost like a, like what Band of Brothers does where they do like a, a monologue that'll say, yeah, oh, that makes sense. then we dropped a nuclear bomb, mm-hmm. p- dropped another one, Japan surrenders, we came home on X, Y, and Z, like that sort of thing. But uh, I, I, don't, don't, I don't know. They haven't referenced it at all. Like the developers haven't talked about it in the interviews or anything. So yeah. I think they're sticking to just the German conflict. Gotcha. Um, but oh, what was I going to say? Um, in terms of, shoot. Oh yeah. there And there was another scene that was pretty powerful and, and I think, goes forth the tone that they were trying to set towards the end of the trailer where it shows it goes to this cutscene where it goes to a soldier and he's staring at this building that's just covered in nazi flags and like with the music the intensity and the short like the shortness of the scene they definitely put an emphasis on that dark tone and it just goes back to the fact that i think it's good because it's a way of educating people that would otherwise not become interested in the subject matter whatsoever yeah, I mean, and there's there's always a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Yeah, but if there's any company that I was gonna say, okay, what would be the one game that if they were gonna do a World War II era game, who would you trust to do it right and to do it in such a, an immaculate art form to the point where they're benefiting that sort of like time era to the point where they're able to educate through their art form? It would be Activision and Call of Duty. And I mean, for me, do I think it's good? No. Do I think it's bad? No. It's it's a video game. Yeah. I mean, when I play campaigns, even when they're like crazy messed up, it just doesn't have any... It doesn't hit me. It doesn't tug my strings. It doesn't yeah. bring anything emotional. I play through, I don't give a fuck. In Fallout 4, if you know like the big plot twist in it, when that happened, I was like, okay. Right. You haven't played Last of Us yet. I still need to shoot this guy. I'll just do that yeah. then. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. It's That doesn't invoke a lot in me, so... There'll be groups that get pissed off and they'll protest it probably. And I, I get it, but the game's going to get released. Yeah. It's I would gonna just make shitloads of money. I would just encourage people that if you really feel that passionately and you're that pissed off or offended by it, I'd find a different outlook than just like, I, I would, I would sympathize with you. I would be sensitive to the fact that I don't know what it's like, but I would try and reach on if I were in their shoes. I'd also try and reach on the other side and just see, hey, I understand that you guys aren't tr- intentionally trying to be disrespectful or anything. Um, this isn't meant to be a happy thing. Try and understand what a video game is in today's world as opposed to like Pong back in the day. Exactly, it's just it's just way different. And I think that's the biggest thing in terms of how this type of thing and how people or how games that reference this are reflected in society. It's that the generational thing, not understanding what the capabilities that video games have today because I referenced The Last of Us and no other game to this day has made me physically cry on multiple times while I'm playing the story. So if if any person that were to rag on video games or to not think video games were an art, if I were to pick you to one game, it would be The Last of Us just because of everything that has to do with that game is so gripping and so emotionally... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Emotionally tiring or emotionally spending that there's truly no other game experience like it 
and I mean, I've it's a beaten dead horse at this point, but just the top off of this topic is that video games are an art form. There's a right way and wrong way to do it. But if you are able to successfully portray this to the point where it's not, like you said, it's not to the point where we're making fun and happy, you're going to yeah. have a great time. It's more about you need to learn about this in this sense because this is a best way for you to understand what actually happened. Yeah. And I think the biggest part of it is the appreciation of what happened right. and to reflect on this was, no matter if this is in video game form or not, this is the darkest time of mankind and you need to understand the full complexity of it because you look at, okay, maybe someone knows about the Holocaust or the, the younger generations, but maybe they don't know about the enticing or the surrounding details that led to that or the reason of it or like whether it was the Nazi side or our side in terms of our perspective of it, mm-hmm. when you're able to give all those other details and then reference the Holocaust, let's say in the middle of the campaign, that would give even more context and maybe gain even more of an appreciation from yeah, someone. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, we're going to play through it. So yeah, I mean, we're definitely gonna let you know what we think. And I personally can't wait. Yeah. It'll be, a, it'll be an intense game. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and it's about time. Cause like we said before, all the games that in our, in my top five are all, like emotionally compelling and have um, like complex plot driven stories like that as to do with their games and their campaigns. So I definitely can't wait. Cause it's about time that they do a dark setting. Cause we've said it before that we like dark stuff. It's not because we like enjoy, it and enjoy yeah. it. It's cause we are, we're interested in it and it gets us thinking. emotionally invested and it, and it gets you thinking. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely an inter- interesting game. If you have any opinions on, controversial events in gaming or if you think they're a bad thing if you think you're a good thing or if or you if, have an idea of what's too far yeah exactly that would be another thing that i would be interested in or if you want to pick out maybe a controversial game or event in a game that we forgot to talk about and you want to reference it let us know in the comment section below or as always go to patreon.com slash tjent let us know donate one two five or ten dollars post on that wall and you get yourself on the show so there you have it there's straight game in episode four. We did our what we were playing. I'm playing Battlefield One. Tom is still grinding on Destiny Two. It'll be that way for a while. So. Oh yeah, and we're doing. We did our stories of the week, and then we did our covered topic of the show where we referenced controversial events in video games, and we kind of brought up Modern Warfare Two and Modern Warfare Three. We touched yeah. mostly on the Holocaust, but it was just kind of a general idea of controversial things in video games. Yep. So as always, let us know your opinions, and we'll definitely get yourself on the show because that's this is one topic that I definitely have like an emotional opinion with it and it's something that i'm passionate about because i think it's it's my view on video games but i just think it's really important for video games to take this stage and to know the type of power that they possess maybe yeah yeah so it was definitely an interesting topic thanks for joining everybody for straight game in episode four and we will see you tomorrow for the first part of real talk with tom and joey episode 11 a ace thanks for joining everybody we will see you next time peace out peace